All right, we are finishing off this week our workplace series. It's been an amazing series, I think, uh, and the speakers who've been speaking have been absolutely amazing. And this afternoon is not going to be any less. Uh, Dr. Shola is going to come up to share and introduce, and then we're going to have a panel uh, to hopefully help you in your workplace. Can you give him a hand as he comes up to speak? Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, to be leading this panel discussion. As Pastor Siv said, um, my name is Shola, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, before I go further, may I call my co-panelists to join me. Sons and daughters in this house, Evelyn, Webster, <laughs> Helena. Our hosting team, one of the privileges of being in front is we get water. Okay, please make sure there are four, four of these here. Thank you, Lebo. <laughs> As I was saying earlier, uh, I'm one of the pastors in this church. I'm also a, a full-time academic. I'm an associate professor of civil engineering at Fitz University. I love God. I've been uh, a member of this house for the last 21 years. Uh, if you're visiting us, welcome. If you're looking for a family, you are most welcome. We have enough space for you. I'm sure you've seen from the volunteer video that there are a number of ministries and you can really get involved and be part of this family. I gave my heart to Jesus on the 13th of August, 1989. It's been a long time. And I praise God. I'm a son in the house. I love him. He's my father. I'm happily married to a beautiful, beautiful woman who is here. Her name is Laya and she's hiding as we normally do. <laughs> Some of you are probably wondering, who is this guy in front? It's because I'm hardly here. Um, I'm usually somewhere tucked in at the back with my beautiful wife, and we've got two boys. Um, we're going to be just engaging again on the God at work and just kind of putting the cherry on the top and, and developing some, some concrete, what am I going to do going forward? Uh, resolutions. Now, I shouldn't make it that serious. I'm a resolute man, by the way, so... <laughs> um, but just to give you context, uh, three weeks, four weeks ago, four Sundays ago, we had Pastor Simon come in to talk to us about God and identity, and it really starts with identity. Everything starts with identity. Who I am is identity. And that determines how I live my life, whether at home, at work, at play, wherever. And we would be looking at just, just engaging in some of the aspects that, that relate to identity. The second week of the series was work and conflict. And... Conflict is inevitable. Whether you're in a Christian environment or a non-Christian environment, conflict is inevitable. I know a few people who may have come to work in the church office and expected that everything goes blissful and then found out that... <laughs> 
that pastors are human beings and everybody else is a human being too. And we've got expectations, we've got approaches, we've got aspirations, and sometimes these things are in conflict with one another. The question is, how do we deal with conflict? Thanks to John and Sinatemba, are they here? Who led us that? Are they here now? Who led us that Sunday? Last week we had Sisintziki coming to talk to us about what? Relationships. And she made very clear statements that we'll be revisiting today. Sisintziki, thank you so much for just spending yourself and investing in, in in, 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 in giving us the message last week. Uh, today, I've got two daughters and one son in the house, and we're going to be engaging uh, on just um, on this topic. But before we do, I had a, a, a slide. Thank you. I'd like us to um, read out the scripture there, which is the fulcrum for God at work. Can we read it together? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Let's read it again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So that is the fulcrum that has kind of steered us over the last four weeks. And we've looked at the life of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. How many of you know them as that? When I grew up, it was Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Am I correct? Um, but those were their Hebrew names. And the framework that is going to guide us going forward, we're going to engage on this framework uh, in groups, small groups, by the time we finish the panel conversation, is work is worship that presents opportunity for redemption and advancing God's kingdom. Okay, so we're going to engage in that. Welcome, Helena. Evelyn Webster, we had a, a good conversation outside and I'm really looking forward to us engaging. If you don't mind, I know that many of the people in this house know who you are, maybe know your names, but don't know what you do, who you are, what drives you. Webster, do you mind going first? I'm used to ladies first, but <coughs> I will start. Um... First, I, I loved your testimony, and I, I thought I was very close to you. I joined uh, this church when it was uh, still called His People back in 2007. So it's uh, 12 years now, and it's been home for me. It's so my recommitment to the Lord and baptism. And since then, I've, I've more than identified as a Joe Burger, a businessman, or a corporate individual, but more as a son of God and one defined by him. Uh, from a background, I have a background in finance, worked in corporate and have worked as a consultant and as from beginning of this year, started my, co-founded a gym 
in Bryanston. So from the context, even still the most important thing is I'm a son of God. I am a husband to only one wife. <laughs> and it will stay that way. <laughs> and I'm very happy to have this time to share. Thank you, Webster. Ladies, please forgive me. We should have started with the ladies. Thank you for correcting me, uh, Webster. Evelyn? Yeah, so, our marriage mind? Our marriage mind, mind is over there. We've been married for 15 years. We're four daughters, and um, I'm really passionate about uh, solving some of the social problems in South Africa and in other countries through education and other things. And um, I love the Lord. I really believe that when you apply the word to your work, the Lord comes through for you. So I manage an educational trust, and um, I'm privileged to work with people that I share the same values with. So I really consider that as a blessing. Thank you, Evelyn. Thank you. Helena? I'm a disciple of God in the guise of a teacher, wife, and mother. Um, I was born in Germany, grew up very dysfunctionally in a post-World War II family. So my passion has been in life to figure out my identity. And from there, it's grown to helping others to discover who they are created to be and what their identities are and to fulfill their potential, whether it's in my marriage, whether it's raising children, or whether it's all those kids at school or anyone else I meet, that is my passion. Thank oh, you. And I only gave my life to the Lord when I was 18, in 1988, um, because I actually grew up in a very opposing God environment. But I've been living in South Africa now since 1982, and I love this country. I love these people. I love you all. <laughs> Excellent, Helena. Excellent. So we've been looking how we've been on this series, God at Work. I, I've got a, a, a number of things in my office that remind me of who I am. And one of them, I'm just going to read partly, says, I am loved by God. I am called to education. I love to learn. I love to grow. I have the mind of Christ. Jesus lives in me. I find out knowledge of witty inventions. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for the testimonies of Jesus are my meditation. By the way, that's Psalm 119 verse 99. When I was interrogating which career as a young man, God pointed me to the scripture that it is possible to be an academic, a Christian academic. The Holy Spirit lives in me and the inspiration of the Almighty God gives me understanding. Job 32, verse 8. I am God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2, 8. Through me, my environment shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Habakkuk 2, verse 14. The spirit in me is not the spirit of fear. It is the spirit of love. It is the spirit of power. I have a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. I am determined to excel. I'm not afraid of failure. God uses failure to bring me good. Romans 28 verse 18. I love my classroom. I love my students. I love my colleagues. 
I am loved by God, I am called to education. For me, this is, this is a statement of who I am and what I'm called to from a work perspective. What does work mean to you? Anyone want to go? <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> Thank you, Helena. Work, um, I, I, I love that statement of yours. I'd love a copy. <laughs> um, work for me means to, to reach out to people um, and bring the love of God to them in whatever context, to see the value in people and, and building them up and helping them to, to become whole and, and to become children of God. Um, work also means for me that whatever is put before me, to see the good in it and in the people and to, to, um, to do my very best because I'm doing everything I do as though I'm doing it unto the Lord. And, and I found that if I just bring my best, God gives me the grace to do even the most unpleasant tasks or the most difficult tasks. So, so work for me is pouring my whole heart into and my whole time and my, my presence and my mind and my experiences in life into the situations I find myself in. Hmm. Thank you, Helena. Thank you. I know we had the conversation about this, this, uh, this phrase we normally use, call, uh, which we normally say, which is, I'm called to the workplace. Um, Evelyn, you want to, still answering the same question, but at least put in context to what okay. the workplace is. So I had a conversation with Pastor Shola earlier, and I said to him, um, work for me means different things. In different, it has meant different things in different seasons. So when I used to work for the bank, work meant, you know, I'm working for Standard Bank, I'm interacting with people, and I'm getting opportunities to disciple people. That was work. And then I took time off to raise my children, which is where I think I learned most of my lessons, I would say. And work in that context meant teaching my children in the way that I would want them to go. And it meant raising the next generation and helping them you know, shape their future. So for me, that was work as well. I know it's unpaid work, but it's valuable work. It's work that pleases the Lord. So that was the other work. And the work at the moment is you know, managing the trust that I do, but also engaging different people. Whatever opportunity that I find, whether you know, I'm talking to people or I'm ministering to kids, uh, ministry, yeah, that is work. I consider everything that I do as work because it's an opportunity to engage people and it's an opportunity to really tell people who you are, I mean, help them, you know, with different things. And like that scripture that we read earlier, whatever you do, meaning whatever situation, wherever you are, you can be doing work, and we have to do that well. Mm. So for me, that's work. Mm. Thank you, Lee. Webster, you want to? I think I've, context. Uh, yes, I've moved a lot from corporate um, to self, being a consultant, to in, even in entrepreneurship, and this definition would sometimes feel very strange and weird, because sometimes you think your work defines you, 
But I found that as you move in different seasons, it's not just the work that has defined me, it's actually I have to define the work I'm doing. I have to be that agent in the work. So work for me means worship. Work for me being, means being who I am in wherever I, God has sent me to be, and being who I am is what God calls me to be. Because times change, and sometimes I am this, and sometimes I'm doing that, and I can't let what the job title, um, who, the, who I'm reporting to or who reports to me, define who I am. And rather, I have to be the same Webster every moment of the time. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Thank you, thank you. I think that's profound. And I have a, I wrote something down. Daniel replied, there is a God in heaven. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah replied the king, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I love the way Sinatemba said it last week. In our secular environment, where sometimes revealing who you are, revealing you're a Christian, can bring tension. And uh, I know this because I lecture classrooms full of different people, Christians, Buddhists, Muslims, and so on, atheists. Um, but yet I'm called to be a witness. I'm called to be Christ as an academic. How have you navigated that balancing act or that potential tension or area of conflict uh, at the workplace? Helena? I, I also teach in a multicultural um, school where we have, I think, 40 different cultures and about 35 religions. And um, I can't openly preach, but I live by, I lead by example. I, I, if I find, look, I have to teach a syllabus. Obviously, I'm paid to do that job, but at the same time, when conflicts arise in the classroom or, or situations arise, I always quote the word because that's all I know how to how to do, because I apply that to myself, I will apply it to the, the situations. And I will even say, that's what it says in the Bible. Um, and I know it works because, and then I'll give an example of, of something, with some situation I've found myself in before. So I get to, to witness with my life and with my testimony, um, and people are not offended because I make it relational um, in that context. Wow. Can imagine quoting scriptures in my lecture room. <laughs> really, I, 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 when Helena said it to me this morning, I thought to myself, that is another level for me. Um, I remember a few years ago, you know, spending some time at the beginning of the year. I spent some time just praying and waiting upon God, and developing development goals for that year, and just kind of fine-tuning the focus of where I, I sense God you know, is taking me to or things that he would want me to do. And I remember asking, Lord, how can I be more effective as an academic? Because when I walk into the classroom, I've got a syllabus, just like you were saying. I've got a syllabus to teach. I have a schedule. I need, I need to cover so much material. How can I 
represent Christ in my classroom. And I remember God taking me to my diary. I mean, it wasn't a mechanical thing. I was just writing some things in my diary. And I looked at the bottom of my diary, and there was a coat. And I love coats. So I thought to myself, brilliant. So any, most times when I walk into my classroom, I go into my classroom with a coat. It's not a scriptural coat. It's very rarely. In fact, I can't remember that I've had to go in with a scriptural coat. But I use the coat as an open door to kind of talk about broad issues. If, if, um, if there was an unfortunate incident in South Africa and I'm driving to work and the news kind of, this is unfortunate or this is something that happened, I think to myself, Lord, how can I use this event that happened to speak to someone's heart and encourage them in class today. So the first five, ten minutes, sometimes I get ahead of myself and I go up to 15 minutes and I have to kind of, ooh, I have syllabus. I, must. <laughs> um, I go in with a coat and I know uh, a few times the students have had to ask me, so what is the basis of the values that you are teaching us today? And I've had to say in class, I'm a Christian. You know, I love God. I'm a Christian. Uh, one of the testimonies uh, of, of doing this is that I have a connect group. And a lot of the young men in my connect group at work were in class and listened to these quotes and decided, you know what, we would like to be mentored. So they come to connect. And when they come to connect, they're on my turf. <laughs> so I make it absolutely clear. Listen, <laughs> this is Christian values here. I'm not going to be humanistic. Jesus is the one that makes me who I am. If you want to be your best you, please keep coming. Okay, I like, to <laughs> I like to transit very quickly to conflict. Conflict is inevitable. Inevitable. It's painful, but it's temporal. I like to give you this, just something that happened to me a long time ago. I was invigilating an exam, and it was a crammed class. Unfortunately, they gave us a small venue. So each learner who was writing was next to one another. There were, and typically when that happens, as an invigilator, your eyes are where? At the back, isn't it? Because you know things are going to happen at the back. <laughs> so I'm focusing at the back, and I don't know why I was prompted to focus at the front seat. There were two ladies in the front seat. <laughs> Who I knew. One of the ladies was doing that. <laughs> this lady here was doing that. <laughs> she was writing, I was you know, trying to prevent the other lady. My instinctive response was to kind of stop them, please stop. But I just sensed God say to me at that point, if you had to move one of them, which one would you move? And I said, of course, the one who is cheating. Yes. And God said, no, 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 if it was me, I'll move the one who is not cheating. And where will I move her to? To the back. Because she will create chaos at the back because she will not allow cheating at the back. 
some of us are in that situation. We're in a lion's den. And we just want to get out. But maybe God threw you there for a purpose, to bring light in the darkness. Maybe that's where he threw you too, for a purpose. So i just like to ask, do you have a conflict situation <laughs> that you would like to share? And maybe some guidelines? Um, I think I've had multiple conflicts. <laughs> I can't say a specific one from racist interactions to just people who don't like you. Like, they just don't like you. There's nothing you can do. They just don't like you. But <clears throat> as I was saying earlier on to you, that I uh, had a mentor who said the most profound thing to me because I was done. I just said, I can't handle these people. I, you know what? God saved a lot of people, but these ones, they're definitely <laughs> not going there. And... A pastor, by the way, came to me and said, you know what, Webster, there are many animals in the zoo, but the zoo handler knows how to treat each and every one of the animals. And all these animals make money for the zoo. So he basically told me, Webster, that zoo handler knows how to treat the elephant, hmm. he knows how to treat the reptiles, hmm. he knows how to treat the lions. He doesn't get rid of them. And so... You can't get rid of these people. You can't jump away. You can't escape. And honestly, at that time, I just didn't want to see them. I just knew if I get there, now. And I can't. But that has changed the way I deal with conflict. One, as in, I can't run away from these people. I can't get rid of them. I can't subtract them. I just have to learn how to deal with them. And I have to deal with them the same way as I deal with people in church. It doesn't change from mm. when I'm here mm. and when I get there, God's love changes and now I'm dealing with animals. No, these are still God's creations. These are God's children. So the same grace and love and mercy I'm applying uh, when the service ends late is the same grace and mercy and love that I should apply to the person who really hates me. That's great, Webster. Thank you. He deserves it. <laughs> Thank you, Webster. Evelyn? So, I think for me, um, conflict will always be there, whether it's with, with your children, with your family, with church, with colleagues. It's how you deal with it. So, what I've learned is to see people the way God sees them. Look at people the way God would look at them. That really changes your heart and it makes you a bit mature to handle conflict. And I also always ask myself and say, what am I bringing to the conflict? Is it only the other person or is there something else that I'm bringing myself? How can I make myself better so that both of us can resolve conflict? And the other thing is I try to live at peace with people. <laughs> I love a peaceful environment, so I will try and do whatever it takes to resolve the issue with the other person. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, Evelyn, we were talking earlier about the fact that many of the environments where you've kind of worked 
have not been as conflict prone. And I remember speaking about, just reminding you that being a, a stay-at-home mom during a period of your life, there was conflict at home. <laughs> Raising kids, inevitably, there will be conflict. Any, I mean, anything you want to say there from, from a guideline point of view? I mean, you've talked about being at peace. Now, how do you be at peace with your three-year-old daughter who is throwing a tantrum because she wants something and she's not giving up? I mean, how do you deal with any of your children who might be going through a, a difficult time trying to understand what mommy is saying? So I think that period, that the eight years you're referring to, there are a lot of lessons that I learned. And um, some of them I learned through gardening. That, you know, a garden looks beautiful when you take out the weeds and, you know, you put manure, you cultivate it, and, you know, it looks nice. It's the same with, you know, raising the children. There are certain things we need to take out from them. There are certain weeds we need to take out for them to grow properly. If we leave um, the weeds and the crops together, you know, both will grow, but that's not the, the ideal. We want the crops to grow and we want to take out the, the weeds. And obviously there's conflict when you say to your children, don't do this, do that. Mm. So um, there's a book that Steve uh, Marrow wrote about parenting. I think it's my first, second, third attempt to, to parenting, yes. And he speaks well about um, raising children that, yes, we pray for the children, but they are practical things we need to do as we raise you know, the children. We are the parents and we need to put certain things in place for the children to, to grow in a proper environment. And yes, conflict will come, but we should always ask the Lord for grace mm. to show the children that what we are teaching them is the way that the Lord wants them to go. Yes, there will be tension and questions, but we have to persist and we have to make sure that what we are teaching them, we are doing. For example, if I want my children to read the Bible and I'm not reading, they're not going to do it. So I have to do it first and the children have to see me doing it and then they will learn from me and well do said. it. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Evelyn. Helena. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Evelyn and I said mind, so I'm thinking, no, no, mind is there. This is Evelyn. <laughs> Any yeah, for, for me, um, I hate conflict. I, I, I'm a peacemaker. And um, it's possibly because I grew up with so much conflict and being in the center of it. Um, I, I, I live by Psalm 139, that each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of us is a masterpiece of God. So everyone in my classroom, and trust me, there are many there who do not naturally click with my personality or I with theirs. Um, it would be very easy to have conflict, and they also have conflict with each other. Um, but one thing I live by is, you know, we are all masterpieces, we are all unique. Um, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made, exactly the way God wants us to be. So everybody has something of value in them. So I always look for, for that. Um, so if I have favorites, it'll be the people that, that rub me the wrong way the most because that's where I really focus my effort to, to find the good. 
Um, I've also had conflicts in, in, in other areas, like with colleagues, specifically because I'm the trust teacher, so I have to resolve conflict between students and teachers on behalf of the students. So there's, I'm not popular in the staff room because I know everybody's <laughs> dirty washing. <laughs> but um, there was one incident where I actually was um, passed by for promotion. It was a position I dearly wanted. And as a teacher, there aren't that many promotions you can get. And um, the reason I was passed over was because um, the, the colleague that I was sharing the matrix with that year um, was overwhelmed by the task and fell apart. And even though I set all the tests and portfolio tasks and exams and kept the ball rolling, um, she dropped a lot of balls and I couldn't cover up for all of them. But because she is the headmaster's wife, um, I got to take the fall for her. And that's why, I, but, I, but I chose not to stand up. I chose to rather turn the other cheek and say, you know what, God sees this and he will vindicate me. Um, the IEB coordinator is very pleased with my work, so it really doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, and um, actually what God has done, and he's rewarded me with another opening um, where I'm going very much into the remedial education and um, other doors are opening. So it's not that promotion, but it's actually a better one. Hmm. 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 So sometimes it pays to walk away. <laughs> It does, and in that is trust. Trust that all things are working together for my good, according to his will. That is beautiful. We're almost running out of time, but let's, let's look at a few things in the last session, work and relationships. Sisinsiki said, God uses work and relationships to advance his kingdom. What are some of the ways or the initiatives or the perfume smells that I have employed or that I bring to advance God's kingdom at work? What do I bring? And we've, we've, we've you know, you've spoken about that, Evelyn, earlier. What, what am I bringing to work? What kind of perfume is perceived when I walk into the room or when we're in a meeting? What kind of perfume are people kind of smelling spiritually when they see me? Do they run <laughs> or are they happy to engage? Another thing that Sisin Siki spoke about was uh, what are some of the issues that trip me at work and how have I walked through them? I'm a very sensitive person uh, from a perception point of view. I can perceive very quickly, or I try to perceive people very quickly when I'm in conversations with them. Uh, and I remember um, in, in one of my classes, a, a young lady walks up to me and says, um, you know, I, I hear you talking about you know, these quotes and things I'd like to be mentored because I do provide opportunity openly for my students to be mentored. And I, you know, so I said, I, I, do, I have a connect group, come through. So she comes through for my connect group. And guess what? The, the discussion outline for that particular day was, help, I have a sex drive. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing a series. 
It was called Help. How many of you remember that series? Help, I have a sex drive. So this lady comes to connect and she doesn't come to church. She, she doesn't come to this church. I have lots of students like that. So I can see she's not, you know, she's not happy. She's... So a while later, she comes to me to say, I had a chat with my mom, and we decided I shouldn't be in your connect group. <laughs> well, interestingly, the, the, the next place I saw her was at a McDonald's. And guess what she was doing there? She was there with a guy. So I kind of thought, hmm? This connect may have helped you. <laughs> but God and relation, work and relationships. Any guidelines in dealing with colleagues at work? I think for me, it's so easy to hide away. So one of the things that trip me is that I can pull back and almost try and not be present like I'm not in this situation, so I don't need to do anything. And one of the things I've tried to do is to be more outspoken. First, um, people will know I'm a Christian. If we're having lunch, I'll pray for my food. They'll be like, oh, okay. So he is a Christian. That gives me a personal accountability to God. Because now they know who I represent. So in my back of my mind is if I do this, if I act like this, if I say this, if I, they will think that about Christians and they'll think that ultimately about God. So what has prevented, has my scent is one of saying I am a Christian or showing that I am and living out being a Christian so that I can represent God well. And, and I think that has helped me because it's easy to just, you know, slip back and just not bring anything, just do my work, do this thing, but now if they know who I am, what I'm about, I can't. Good, good. I can't, yeah. Thanks, Webster. Last few words from Helena, Evelyn. Work and relationships? Well, with me, um, I think it's so important to be me. For me, God's made me to be, and to be transparent, especially with students. If you've got their hearts, You've got their heads, and and if you then then you can if, if you can be relational with them, and and yeah, sometimes you get very hurt as a person who's opening up because um, they are always students who need a scapegoat for not doing their work, and and th that leads to a lot of conflict, <laughs> including management and parents and stuff. And um, but at the same time, I find that that is the only way to to go in their positive and knowing who I am and whose I am and that I'm called to be there and to love on people and to connect with their hearts. So I try to live that out by example. I try to smile even when I don't feel like smiling as I'm walking down the corridors just so that people see me as, 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 as something that brightens up their day. Um, and students have actually come back to me and said that to me, saying, ma'am, we'll miss you, the matriculant, saying, we'll miss you because you're always smiling. Even if we haven't had class with you for, for five years, you're smiling when we see you in the corridors. So, so I try to, to be open that I'm approachable to, to, to people. Thank you, Helena. 
So I believe God gave me the work that I have. So I bring the faith and the love. But in working with people, I realize that people are like an iceberg. You know, sometimes you see very little. We need to be interested and engage people so that we can dig deep in their lives and really engage them on important issues. And slowly they will open up and we'll be able to love them and to encourage them. Thank you. What, what a great finish to this panel discussion. May I ask that you focus on that framework. Work is worship that presents opportunity for redemption and advancing God's kingdom. I'd like to ask that you spend a moment, we're just going to spend a moment in silence, and you ask yourself, what am I going to be going forward in terms of work? What am I going to do a bit differently going forward insofar as work is concerned? What do I need to say going forward in terms of work? Can we do that? Let's take a moment and just reflect. Father, thank you for this moment, these great people, and for the Holy Spirit tagging on our hearts and our lives to be better stewards of all that you have called us to be, uh, where you have sent us to be, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, can we give this panel one more round of applause? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Learned so much from them, especially the fact that there are animals that are Christians. I, I didn't know. That's the one takeaway I have today. I, thank you, Webster. I, I didn't know. And, and Dr. Shola, your, your poise is always so uh, uh, beautiful to watch. You know, you almost feel like I'm in your house. And, uh, you know, it's really incredible uh, to experience what we've experienced. I'm going to share a story, and then we're going to end. Um, Two weeks ago, my daughter was reading a book. It was a Nelson Mandela cartoon kind of story book. Uh, halfway through the book, she said to me, I was sitting next to her, she said, Dad, I'm scared. I said, oh, okay, carry on reading. So she did. She carried on reading, uh, and near the end, she looked at me, and she said, uh, Dad, are all white people bad? And I said, um, no, baby, no. Uh, and we had a long discussion. Uh, and part of the discussion I was sharing with her, you know, we, we're all sinners and all those wonderful things are great. But she asked me, are all white people bad? And I said, no. I had a moment 
one minute moment where I could have shaped her for the rest of her life, depending on what I said, one moment would have changed everything about her life. Faith is that moment for us. No matter where you are in your journey in life, no matter where you find yourself when you walked through those doors and you sat here, no matter where you are in your workplace, where you are in your family, the choice of faith changes everything. The choice to trust him in that work environment, the choice to trust him in that family situation, the choice to trust him in your own relationship regarding whether you know Christ or not, that one choice changes everything. I want to encourage as we leave here today that we make a choice to trust God and we let that choice be played out in how we do life, how our souls react to the realities that we need to face, how we choose courage above comfort, how we engage a world that is so in need of redemption and the kingdom of God as Christians in all of life. So as we leave, may you make that choice to trust God in a way that makes sense in light of eternity. May you do that. So, Lord, thank you. What a great, great panel. What a great, great series this has been. And I really pray for you that now you will go out more empowered as missionaries into the workplace to bring the power, the love, and the kingdom of God in those areas.